The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Today's scripture is from Exodus 28-11 and Hebrews 4-9-11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to, your, to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Barry. love to pick on him a little bit. Barry is one of those guys who helps me because... um, not only is he a good friend, but you know, it's always good to have people that you can ask about your sermon, and they'll give you a really good, honest response and still like you, you know? Um, Barry's one of those people in my life that I always appreciate his insight and thoughts. Well, um, you know, I, I don't know if you watch YouTube uh, much or how you kind of surf uh, things, but... My son really loves YouTube, and particularly one show that he got into. We watch it sporadically now, but it was called No Days Off. Have you seen this? It's kind of an interesting kind of show. Um, it's not necessarily like a TV show per se, but it's just videos. And really what it is, is it, it, it kind of shows the life of uh, typically an athlete. Now, it, it could be a, a student, um, you know, a, a little kid, actually. Uh, usually it's, it's a premier kind of athlete of sort um, in a particular sport. It could be surfing, could be football, could be a million different things, baseball, whatever it is. And uh, there are different ages and ranges. And if you watch the show, you get to watch kind of into their life, of, especially, you know, you get to see their working out life, uh, all those kind of things. And, and then you get to see, you know, okay, what is their day-to-day like? You know, you can see their workout routine, but then you can see their diet. And you watch their, you know, okay, if they're still in school, which most of them are, they're like, okay, when you do homework, you know? Uh, and then a lot of times they'll have a parent come on and the parent will, you know, talk a little bit about, Things like, oh yeah, I mean, they just really love it, and you know, we provide, and it shows them like in these amazing gyms, you know, like D1 here, or those kind of places where they're in, you know, kind of a little more intense, focused athletic gyms where they're doing like certain high knee things, you know, and they're like six years old, you know, <laughs> and you're kind of watching, and you're going, well, that's, I mean, they're they are sk- very skilled, but you you do also kind of back off and go, well, okay, well, you know, what's really, you know, what's it really like for them to. Uh, to live no days off. And, and it is sweet. It's been funny too when uh, sometimes in the past when uh, my kids have watched it and they get inspired, they're like, let's go do this thing, you know? <laughs> kinda, yeah, let's go outside and, and run hurdles or, you know, what, I don't know, whatever it is. But, um, but, you know, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments and as we do that, um, 
it's interesting. We, we think of the Ten Commandments as here's this list that God just gave and those kind of things. But actually, no, it, it's, it, I want to remind you, the Ten Commandments, when they were provided, was a group of ex-slaves that were enslaved for four centuries sitting at the foot of a mountain, hearing God thundering these out at what would look somewhat like a volcanic mountain of sorts, hearing God's voice boom these out. And they are coming from a culture where they had no days off. They are living in a culture where, if, if, if you looked at them, they had no benefits. Uh, they had no uh, time where they said, well, we need to take tomorrow off so you can work harder next week. That, that was not their culture. When you were born into an Israelite family and lived in Egypt, you were born straight into slavery. You learned how to work and you kept working. That was their culture. They had no days off. And if we think about that really and understand that then God comes with this kind of voice of saying, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is revolutionary to them. Because many of them weren't thinking necessarily, remember, when he says remember the Sabbath day, it's not like they said, oh yeah, we had that. I mean, they didn't have paternity leave, they didn't have maternity leave, they didn't have this moment where they thought, oh, we need to rep. This was revolutionary to them. Because God is going further back beyond before their enslavement, even to let them know you're supposed to understand your week differently. But it's spoken into a culture where there are no days off. It's not far from ours. The YouTube, they didn't have YouTube back then, but they knew no days off. We, we feel the same. And as much as we may come into a church, you know, it's, it's funny for a pastor to speak on uh, the fourth commandment, you know, the, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. It could be Come to church. Okay, let's close in prayer. You know, like this not, that is not what, many of us may think that that's what this is. It's actually much bigger than that. It's much more, uh, uh, it permeates a lot more than just, hey, make sure you, you, you wake up. You know, the morning on Sunday is dedicated to church. You know, it's not, it's far beyond that. It goes deeper into the heart because there's a culture that we live in and that we live and breathe in that many of us don't even may, may not even think that we do as much as we do. And we may need to stop more and think about that. The Ten Commandments, remember, did not begin with a don't do this, do this, don't do that, don't, don't uh, uh. It actually begins with the Lord saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. It begins with relationship. And I want you to notice something. This commandment is the only commandment that reflects that remembrance to the beginning. This is the only commandment that begins, remember, just as, remember, I'm the God that brought you out of slavery. It connects to the relationship. The Sabbath isn't just a day. It's not just one thing. It's about where your heart really is. So we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at it in, in really three ways. We're going to look at first the problem of rest. We're going to look at the practice of rest and then the person of rest. Pretty, you know, pastors love to give you alliteration, right? So we'll get the problem of rest, the practice of rest, and the person of rest that this commandment draws out for us. You know, if we were to talk about rest, um, 
And especially being forced to see it, you know, coming out of what we've come out of. Um, just recently, just this month, there was an article in the New York Times about pandemic, how the pandemic has messed with people's sleep uh, immensely. <clears throat> I thought it was very interesting. They call it uh, corona insomnia, corona somnia. Sorry, corona somnia. Have you heard this? Corona somnia. I haven't heard that word yet, but you know, I'm being educated on that. I feel it. <laughs> um, it says, more than a year into the pandemic, our collective sleep only continued to deteriorate. In a survey of thousands of adults last summer, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine found that 20% of Americans said that they had trouble sleeping because of the pandemic. But when the Academy repeated its survey 10 months later in March, those numbers rose dramatically to 60%. They said that people now struggle with pandemic-related insomnia. This quote, listen to this quote, this is fascinating. A lot of people thought that our sleep should be getting better because we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's worse now than it was last year, says a doctor. A sleep medicine specialist and the spokeswoman of the American Academy of Medicine. Listen to this quote. People are still really struggling. People are still really struggling, connected to rest. I think it's interesting that, that as much as you can stop or slow down, and you experience this, some of you experienced the pandemic or that stop differently, and some of you are like forced, and some of it was great for you, but it still forced you to deal with what is really there, the struggling. And I think that is it. There's a problem. We really are struggling. And the question isn't we're struggling, but what are we struggling with when it comes to connection with rest? Why do we have such a problem with it? Jesus talks about this a lot. It, actually, if you look in the New Testament, there's a lot of arguments about uh, the law. And there are moments when Jesus gets really angry. And when he does, you kind of have to go, whoa. You, you don't typically think of Jesus really mad about something. But there's one in particular he gets really angry in Mark, the very beginning of chapter Mark, when he's talking to the Pharisees about the Sabbath, and there's this whole debate about the Sabbath and picking grain because the disciples have been picking grain on the Sabbath to eat, and they're all upset about it. And for the Pharisee, they consider the Sabbath rest as far from a burden. You know, there were 39 forbidden activities for the Pharisees to forbid anything of these things doing on the Sabbath. So they tried to take the Sabbath and fence it. Put a little fence around. Let's not, oh, we don't want to break that. But you hear the irony in that. And there is, Jesus gets angry. He, he says, it says he grieved, he was grieved and angry at their hardness of heart of the way that they approached the Sabbath. Here, and it, because here comes a, a person with a withered hand that needs to be healed. And they said, no, we can't do that. This is the Sabbath. It's, what, what is the Sabbath for? For Jesus to get so angry, why is he angry? See, the Sabbath is not to harden our hearts to say, you must do this. It's actually to soften our hearts to say, why do we do this? About mercy, about care, about not just those around us, but both our, our vertical relationship and our horizontal relationship. It's to ask the question why. And it's interesting because there are kind of two sides of that. In this passage in Mark even, there are two people that are the Pharisees, which you think, okay, they're the legalist, religious people who fence it. But there's also the Herodians. There's this other group that actually partner with the Pharisees who could care less about the Sabbath. 
And they want to kill Jesus because he seems to disrupt things. It's not just this legalistic side. It's the license side, which I think is where many of us may fall at, at, at times. Is to say, well, the Sabbath, you know, it's just kind of that day we're supposed to kind of catch up on things and do what we want. And I'll tell you, it's interesting. You know, the most debated, the only debated commandment in seminaries is this one. This is the commandment that in seminary that we talked about the most. I mean, the other ones, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I should do that, you know, then I, murder, steal, adultery, you know, like those kind of things. But when it comes to the Sabbath, well, you know, let's kind of, what, what's great? What can we do, you know? And so I, what, what I definitely am not going to do this morning is not give you a list of, okay, here's what you do and don't do on the Sabbath because Jesus doesn't do that. So therefore, I'm definitely not going to do that. But what it does say is many of us may fence the Sabbath and think because we're keeping it really well that we're keeping the Sabbath and still we have so much unrest in us. We're restless. And yet we can also think, well, because I'm a Christian and this grace thing, I don't really need to pay attention to the Sabbath. It's kind of a suggestion. Actually, these are the Ten Commandments. They're not suggestions. So we need to start looking into this, that the problem of rest is not restriction in order for us to keep it. And it's also not a license for us to say, we can kind of do whatever we want with it. It's actually holy. It says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. What does holy mean? It doesn't just mean religious, one religious day in six secular days. That's actually not what the Lord is saying at this commandment. But what he is saying is he saying it's set apart. It is a day that's to be set apart. Now think about this culture of slavery these people have been growing up in. And for them, rest means a lot of different things. For them, rest can mean reward. But rest isn't a reward. That's not what this, this commandment is saying. The Sabbath day is your reward for doing your work. It never says that. In fact, work is not, we often think work is just a product of sin and the fall. <laughs> because we feel it often. Actually, work in the Bible was there before sin and the curse. So work is actually not, it, had a, it has a curse on it, and we feel that. But rest isn't a reward for that. In fact, one, um, that's one really important thing is it's not as a reward to a group of ex-slaves who are, who are trying to make sense of the, how their universe works now. It's actually to say, this is to rewire your whole thinking of, how you're made, who you really are. Uh, there's a great book called The Rest of God by a guy named Mark Buchanan. You should read it. It's really, really good. One of the quotes he says in there, he says, the lie that the taskmasters want you to swallow is that you cannot rest until all your work is done and done better than you are doing it now. The rest of God is not a reward for finishing. It's a gift. It's a gift. And how many times do we finish a day and we leave loops un, you know, not closed and we find ourselves in a place where our list is not checked off and we look ahead to tomorrow, we've got so much to do and those kind of things and we just cannot get out from underneath that. We think, if I could finish this, then I could leave. Or when you go on vacation and you try and get yourself away from what you need to, but you still do those little emails or phones or checking in or whatever. Why? Because we, we have such a hard time with that. It is just ingrained into our culture. It is a part of us. 
And rest isn't a reward for you. It is actually meant for you to make sense of all the other work, everything else. See, rest directs, also directly connects to what we worship and what we obey. Did you notice that Hebrews passage there in Hebrews not 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 through 11? It says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So let us therefore strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now this, this kind of understanding in the New Testament, especially in Hebrews, is all over the place. That rest is connected with obedience. What in the world? It's not getting to the fact that you need to come on Sundays or you're disobedient. Well, okay, Sundays are important, but what is, what's it getting at? It's getting at the fact that rest is connected to the deeper parts of us that we worship. Rest reflects the deeper rest in us. And notice entering into that rest. What does it mean? Enter into that rest of God. Entered God's rest. Entered that relationship. Remember, this isn't just about a day. It's about a relationship. Just like the first three commandments we've been looking at have been talking about how is God married to his people? That's literally kind of what those commandments are unpacking. This one isn't just jumping to another place and saying, Remember the Sabbath day. He said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why? Because it goes straight to six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And it, it reflects who God is. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's to drive us to what we really What do we really worship? Rest is to make us to think because the problem is we don't and we avoid it. Even when we have that moment of silence, I always love that moment of silence during confession because I'm always wondering like, what what is that like for you? You know, is that one of those moments of, okay, I've said this one thing or you're really trying to think of something, but it forces you to actually take a moment of rest for your soul and, and take inventory. Because we don't really want to look at the problems that are going on. Rest actually drives us to that. It drives us to where our souls are wandering or hiding or avoiding. Rather than in relationship with the Lord who we should be in relationship with. And rest reminds us, and I think a deep part of us, that our doing doesn't equal our being. I think if we really get to the core of it, and I've said this to some of you before, I think we have such a great reversal of the way that we view self, that our doing, what we do, equals who we are. And so when our doing fails, we find ourselves being so, such in despair for who we really are. When we don't do well, or we don't accomplish well, or we don't see the successes that we want, we, we find ourselves, the, 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 the legs are taken out from underneath us. It's interesting, there's a, there was a, a blog by an MIT student that I, I just love this honesty from this MIT student. This is what this blog says. There's a feeling that no matter how hard you work, you can always be better. Notice the language, be better. And as long as you can be better, You're not good enough. 
There's something to give, something giving, there's something to giving everything and always falling short. Eventually, we'll walk out with a deep understanding of our fields, a fantastic tolerance for failure and late nights, and raised expectations for ourselves and for humankind. Someday, we'll look back on these four years as the best years of our lives and the foundations of these kinds of friendships that can only be formed with some suffering. But right now, sometimes it feels like MIT drags your self-esteem over a jagged, gravely rock face and stretches your happiness and your mental health and the passion and energy that brought you here like an old rubber band. What a great illustration. Feeling like an old rubber band. You found one of those old rubber bands in a drawer somewhere and you just think, and you start pulling it, and you're like, it feels rough, it feels different, and you pull it, and the elasticity is just not there, and you start to see the cracks, and this snaps. It's exactly what this student is being honest about. There's all this great stuff. All of it's great, it's great, it's great. It just sounds like a Seinfeld episode. It's great, it's great, it's great. We're exhausted. The honesty of where we really are, what the, what the rest is, where's it getting really? That our being, we put so much emphasis on our doing equaling our being, but the Lord does reverse. He says, the Sabbath is this. In fact, this is why Jesus in the New Testament says, the Sabbath wasn't made for man. Man man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't just made and then said, stick you into the Sabbath. The Sabbath was actually made for man so that we don't, so we can rest and stop looking at the problem of, you know, I need to keep going. I need to make myself useful. Like I've even heard on uh, uh, Thomas the Train, not to pick on Thomas the Train. I mean, we all love Thomas the Train. But if you ever watch Thomas the Train and you see at the end, they always talk about, you know, that Thomas was really happy because he was really useful. Is that the end of what? No, God doesn't end with that. It's about remembering the Sabbath day to remind us who we really are. So how do we practice this rest? What's the the positive of that? What does it mean to rest? It means what? If we're sitting, if we're living in that culture of slavery and we're looking up and asking God, teach us this, there needs to be a new culture involved. I don't know if you know this, but Deuteronomy chapter 5 So the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I know when you read through those, you kind of peter out right after Exodus. Maybe you're like, I'm going to read through the Bible this year. No, 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 Leviticus, you know. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is actually a replication of Exodus 20. It's the Ten Commandments again. But this commandment in particular has a, a nuance in it, and I think it's really interesting. It says this. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 through 14 and 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Then listen to this. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Do you know what, realize what he's doing? It's interesting. 
He goes back to the remembrance of the very beginning of the commandments themselves. He says, remember that you were brought out. Remember that you were a slave. If you want to connect and make sense of the Sabbath, we go back to remembering who we are. There are two things I think that, that the Bible draws out. I'm going to reduce it to the, to the practice of this. Two things I think. One is to replenish and one is to restore. If you're taking notes, think about this. And, and I think we, this is kind of an overarching umbrella. One is to replenish and one is to restore. How do we practice the Sabbath? Replenish, think about it. The word remember. What do you do when you remember something? When you remember something, it has to take time. You sit for a moment. You, you recall the memories and you remember, right? You're taking in those memories again. It takes a moment to replenish it. You have to stop. You have to stop and think through those things and take them in. And that's really what remembering does. And that's what replenishing is, is stopping to take the current climate of your soul and to say what we, not so much what you can do, but what you can't. To sit with the tension of the closed loops of life. <laughs> uh, Harvard Business Review had a great, I love this thing. This is so good. They had a, a thing of, you need to start creating a stop doing list for yourself. I thought this was fascinating. If you aren't reaching your goals, the solution probably isn't to take on more work. Instead, consider what you might stop doing, being active in our stopping. This is Harvard Business Review. What do you think the Sabbath, this commandment is to get to us? It's to stop, stop and let our hearts sit with attention, more than just the do's and don'ts of life. It's actually getting to the heart of what it really needs to be replenished. Not just your body, but your soul, who you really are. Jesus brings this up again in that in those passages on the Sabbath, when he's talked about his disciples picking the heads of grain, and he actually refers back to King David for them. He says, okay, you want an illustration of replenishment? I'll throw one on you, Pharisees. Here's your king, King David. He himself in Samuel, in the Old Testament, when he, there was nothing, he was starving, and he went into the temple itself, took the bread off of the bread of showbread, and began to consume it. Was he breaking the Sabbath? Wow. Don't you know their heads were spinning? What was he doing? He was replenishing. He, it was mercy. It wasn't that he was doing something against the Lord. He was replenishing. He was stopping because of what he needed. Because he stopped. Instead of busying himself, oh, I just need to do other things. He stopped. Replenishment is a stopping for what you really need. And I, I was told this years ago for my own soul, because this is a huge one for me, that and my, uh, my pastor said this years ago in a sermon, I've heard it from, from friends to me, that busyness is the greatest form of laziness. Our busyness is the greatest form of laziness. Because we want to overwork so we don't have to really stop and think about what's really going on, what we really need to replenish. We're proud of being multitaskers. We live for the tyranny of the urgent, the things that just pull us away and pull us apart. But these habits are showing us that we just want to live boundaryless. 
Now, the, the technology we have, those kind of things, you can even look into it. This is not necessarily something new. Even in the Industrial Revolution and historical times, that just began to aid to people because we want to disembody ourselves. This is actually what Jesus was getting at with the Pharisees is you want to create practices where you can just be not, you know, like disembody yourself. You want to keep the Sabbath so well so that you can not have to worry about it. You want to be above it instead of live in it. And we don't live with boundaries. Have you ever thought about that remembering the Sabbath day means we actually acknowledge that we have limits and we love our limits instead of hating them? The Sabbath is to point us to say, you're limited and it's wonderful and you're loved for it rather than all the places around us that say, you know what, if you just did this, if you were li- even religious circles were like, you know what, you just need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And then you'll feel good like a good little Christian, right? But reading our Bible, praying, those things aren't to be ends and of themselves. There's a point us to a relationship, to remember. The Sabbath day, church, why is worship so important? Because it makes us stop and remind us and recalibrate, not at the end of our week. Actually, why is it Sunday? Because in the New Testament, the the Christians, the followers of Jesus actually said, you know what, we're gonna begin worship on the day that the Lord Jesus resurrected. That's why it's called the Lord's Day. See, the Sabbath originally was on a Saturday and it moved to Sunday so that every Sunday the resurrection was acknowledged and celebrated so that you didn't, as Sunday was the first day of the week, end your week, you began your week worshiping, going out in whom? The resurrected Lord Jesus. Because it's not as you replenish, you stop, but it's also you go, you restore. The Sabbath is about restoring. I'll tell you what, in our house lately, we've had a lot of talks about this um, because we're entering into that life. Some of you have dealt with this, is uh, travel sports. We're actually having a lot of conversations because my older son is really you know, good at baseball. And we're starting to have this conversation and I think it's a really good one of what do we really think? Like, and it's not just not doing you know, tournaments on a Sunday. I think that's a good question. The, the, my point is, what I love is that we're beginning to ask the question of not just how do we stop and think about Sunday. We're actually saying, what do we actually value and go towards? See, rest doesn't just mean stopping and replenishing. It also means restore. What do you move towards? And the question of what do you value? And that's actually what we're talking about as a family. It's been wonderful. Hard, but wonderful. And that's what we need to have. See, I'm not here to give you a list. I'm here to say, we need to sit and have the conversations of how is this so in deep in our culture of slavery and hearing we need a rewiring of what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord so we remember the Sabbath day. And what does it say? Remembering is replenishing. Keep it holy. To keep something means you have to be active. It means you go. It means you do. It means you restore your work. It means you restore your time, your relationships, your emotions. It means you go towards those things and begin to say, how are my relationships? How do you take a Sunday as the Sabbath, as the Lord's Day, to actually ask the question, how do I go in mercy? What are the needs of those around me? What are, what's really going on in me? How do I actually go before the Lord and pray and maybe take up the Bible and maybe take time to spend with him 
Rather than saying it's just, I gotta be in the church, but it is. We don't do church every Sunday just because we're like, what's a great day to do this? But we want to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus together so that we're reminded from thundering on that mountain that we remember that when you leave these doors, it's not about you trying to reverse the curse. There's only been one who's been able to do that. And so how do you go out and how do you spend your time? How do you spend your resources? Do you live in a posture of restoration over and over where you're going in the Sabbath? And that, yes, we view Sundays as valuable. But you will never hear from me, and, and Lord willing, you know, that you're guilted. And I know some people, it's funny, some of you have come, you know, sorry, I wasn't there last Sunday. I'm like, and I have to, I always look at you and I say the same thing. I wasn't, no offense, like looking out like, oh man, they aren't here today. During my sermon, writing your name down. Because we're all lawbreakers. None of us rest and keep the Sabbath holy. There's only been one who's been able to do that, and that's why we come to this table. Because there's only been one person who's actually come and said this incredible account of words that through the Pharisees, not just, oh yeah, David ate the showbread, or these kinds, he actually said these words. This is what makes Christianity distinct. It's not just about a day of rest. It's not just, here's the day of worship. There's only been one person in history who has been able to come and say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus actually said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. See, Christianity has a person of rest that we enter into. Because there's only been one who said, on the cross, with everything, every tension involved, who said, it is finished. He didn't say, strive without ceasing, as some other religions have said. He didn't say that. He said he accomplished everything, everything that we could not on that cross. Our job isn't to get into the places of us to try and say, how do I, I need to vacate. Yes, we could could spend a lot of time, we could go out of here and try and create new rhythms and practices and those kind of things. If you leave here and that's all you leave with, you've missed the good news of the gospel. You're just taking news. Don't leave. Because what Jesus does is invite you. And he invites everybody in the, in the scriptures when they are burdened and heavy laden, he says some of the most beautiful words. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I wanna invite you now to think if you've never come to him, to come to the only one who can actually get to the restlessness that you actually have. And if you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, to be reminded that the good news allows you to live out the Sabbath in reality. To love your relationship with the Lord and not look at the Sabbath as this day, it's just one religious day and six seconds. No, it's actually to send you out in the whole week that is owned by your heavenly Father. You are his come to him. You come to this table because he is the only one who has said it and said it is finished so that we can breathe and our sigh of relief 
You can bring every tension and every unclosed loop to this table, and yet it has all been finished in him. And you can leave and go and work knowing that you're in someone loved and cherished in a way that none of us could ever imagine, but it is the greatest reality of our lives. Amen. Let's stand together. As we do, we're going to read from the fourth commandment in the Heidelberg question number 103. What is God's will for you in the fourth commandment? First, that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Amen. Please be seated.